Ladies and gentlemen, this is Nick. Welcome aboard for another episode of Beyond the Vow. Today is going to be the conclusion of our two-part interview with Daniel Ferguson and his wife, uh, Elizabeth. And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed the first part. If you have not listened to that, we highly recommend you listen to that. And um, this will be the conclusion of that interview. Thanks again for joining us. very popular on TV called 19 Kids and Counting. Oh, yes. And so this involves the Duggar family. Yep. Which their quote-unquote branch of Christianity is part of the IBLP, Mm -hmm. which stands for the Institute of Basic Life Principles. Right. Now, I had never heard this abbreviation before, before this show, right? I had never, at least that I could remember, I never heard anyone at my churches say it or anything like that. But I started watching a little bit of the show, and then I started doing my a little bit of research on the show. And I realized that a lot of principles that were taught... <laughs> fell in line with the more extremist views of the IBLP. So did your church or the people there have anything to do with that? Because I know that we had both talked about Bill Gothard. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of circles, IBLP is a bad word, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of people, even your more conservative branch of people, think that IBLP is not necessarily a great thing. So it might have been a thing of they never wanted to say that that's what they were a part of, but they just taught their views and kind of went along with what Bill Gothard said. Uh Uh-huh. You know, so that way they wouldn't have the confrontation from anybody of, oh, you're in the IBLP. Right. Is what I'm assuming. Now, it's possible that it was just a giant coincidence. (laughs) I guess it's possible, you know, that a lot of what Bill Gothard uh, taught uh, was also being taught at the church I grew up in. It's possible it was a coincidence, but there's a lot that fall in line that makes me think that it necessarily wasn't. So did anybody, because if I'm thinking correctly, the, the one thing that I always hear is about the blanket training. Uh-huh. Was that anything that you ever witnessed around your circles? I had heard people talk about that that should be implemented. I don't know if it ever was. I know for a fact it wasn't with me. I don't know for sure about other kids my age, especially with the two families that I brought up 
earlier. So, but they had definitely, they were definitely aware. Right. Yeah. Wow. And just for, for those of you out there that are, that are unaware, uh, can you explain the whole blanket method tra- for training for infants? So basically it is the process of using blankets to help your baby learn how to comfort themselves. So you would place your baby starts crying. You get a blanket and you basically put it over their face. What? And their body and let the blanket soothe them instead of you. Wow. So this is a little different than the blanket training that I've heard of um, in my circles. That was that you put a blanket down, and if they got off the blanket, they were beat with whatever to teach them to stay on the blanket. Now, that is more, from my understanding, that is more for toddlers into whatever the next stage after a toddler is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm you know, toddler and a little bit older, that is what that is for. This, I always heard as a comforting type of measure for like newborn to when they're out of a crib, basically. Yeah, so I'm going to put a blanket over my newborn's face and just hope he stops crying without suffocating. <laughs> he might stop crying because they're right. dead. <laughs> right. And that, I mean, that is some of the stuff that is said, <laughs> you know, like, that is how you handle infants. I mean, you just put a blanket over them and they stop crying. Someone does that to my baby and we're going to have, <laughs> Nick will be very embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll have some talks. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, I, but from what you're telling me though, it sounds like even if maybe that wasn't necessarily spoken out loud, it definitely was mm-hmm. influencing some folks there. I believe so a hundred percent. Yes. Um, I honestly think that a lot of it had to do with members of the IBLP were getting so shamed and so basically called out. Yeah. (laughs) As Um, they should. Especially after the arrest and all that of Bill Gothard, you know, that started a frenzy. And I mean, basically the IBLP now is nothing. I mean, there's still members. I still know some members that's associated with different things. Mm -hmm. You know, and not all people who are in this are bad. Right. Right. But the ones that were in leadership (laughs) were very, very bad. And not even on a level of, oh, I'm going to preach these things, uh, these personal convictions as biblical doctrine. Right. I'm talking a level of bad that's sexual assault on minors. Yeah. You know, allegations, mm-hmm. you know, rape allegations, you know, kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> right. Not your average, you have to wear your hair in a ponytail if you're in a church. Yeah. 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 So I, I, especially I, after all that come out, it, yeah, there's your, I don't think you're going to find a whole lot of people who, openly say that they're involved with that. So once a lot of that started to fall apart, do you, mm-hmm. did, did that, did the whole idea of people trying to adhere to that kind of uh, practice at that church, like, did it sort of kind of die away as well? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the church, the Pentecostal church that I went to shut down. 
Oh, wow. Really? So it's no longer there. Yes. Correct. It is no, the building is there, but there's, it's not an active church. Wow. The church of God church that we went to after is still here. That's the one we went to that I was saying this past Sunday that kind of blew me away a little. (laughs) So do you ever remember like the reasons for why that church shut down? They said financial reasons. You know, for some reason, the verse comes to my mind. It talks about having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Mm-hmm. And having a church that would appear so conservative and like it is, it thinks that it is so holy and so high, and yet mm-hmm. it is failing at the basic yeah. principles of, of that Christ-like behavior yeah. towards others. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm, I hate that there are people, and that's the whole point we do this podcast, is I hate that there's people out there that are still in that kind of a situation um, mm-hmm. and that are still at the, the brunt end of that kind of treatment because it's mm-hmm. still out there. And, you know, you think yeah. that it's just 2024 and that stuff that was maybe going on in the mid nineties and, and, or maybe yeah. even the early two thousands and, and, and yeah. it's, it's not there anymore, but we, we get stories and, and, yeah. and people tell us that this stuff is still yeah. happening. And it's like the, the body of Christ should not be trying to cannibalize itself, Yeah, but there's this kind of everybody is so obsessed with their version of righteousness but yet mm-hmm. scripture says our righteousness is as filthy rags yeah and, and I don't care how short you, or how long you keep your sleeves um, or how you do your hair necessarily or whatever yeah. the case may be that isn't going to hold up in, in God's court what will hold up is what mm-hmm. you did with his son and what you did with the light he gave you and how you treated others right and I mean the IBLP has been around, I think, since the 60s. Oh, wow. With Bill Gothard Sr. And then Bill Gothard Jr.'s brother, Steve, was, you know, kind of the face of IBLP in the 70s and 80s. And then he had a big scandal. And he was removed from any form of, like power that he had within this organization. Mm. And that's when Bill Gothard Jr. took over. And he was in until 2014, I believe, is when he got removed. Wow. Yeah. Now, the whole reason that I brought up the Duggars and all of that is I've never met the Duggars. There's a documentary um, called Shiny Happy People. Yes, I've heard of that about the Duggars, and it goes into a lot of the IBLP. Um, There's a couple families in that show that I know that are associated with the Christian school that I went to. Oh, wow. Yeah, not members, but just associations. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, and they're still active members today. Like with the IBLP? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like one of their biggest things is absolutely no, no form of contraceptives. Okay. So big families. Zero. Right. Because you're supposed to have as many kids as you can to spread God's word. Okay. I feel like I heard. You're supposed to have your quiver full. I feel like yeah. I heard one of the kids, um, the Duggar kids, talking about like when they got them ready for their wedding, like the things mm-hmm. that that 
she told them to take like plenty of baby oil for right and then pregnancy tests which makes me think that she doesn't know exactly how the female body actually operates no um if you're going to take pregnancy tests on your honeymoon you're not actually going to know if you're pregnant for a good three weeks right after conception so there's a lot of science that they are missing behind that as well oh a thousand percent i mean even i love the school that i'm at and i love my job yeah we use a Becca curriculum. Yes. It is sometimes the most infuriating set of textbooks that I've ever read in my life. <laughs> the Becca math was, was, was rather wild when I dipped my toe in it years and years ago. Well, I mean their health book. Mm, okay. In, in terms of sexual education. Oh. Still missing so a lot of I, stuff? Yes, I completely understand. And I do middle school, right? So I'm doing seventh and eighth. I'm not saying that we need to turn on, you know, a crazy graphic, whatever, for them to watch and to understand what this is. But there needs to be more than two people love each other and that's how babies are made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, because there's more right. into it. If you're, if, because, Quite frankly, if you don't have, and that's what we've talked about on other podcasts before, um, where you don't have a lot of sex education, where it's a hushed thing, mm-hmm. so you don't talk about, mm-hmm. you know, what it takes for the the female body. We produce one egg a month, while men mm-hmm. may produ- produce they produce million of sperm. We produce mm-hmm. one egg. It is only viable for twenty four hours, right? When it comes and it comes out of that follicle, I don't know how many educated women that I, that are in my circles that had no clue what their body does. Yeah. I mean, the book doesn't even talk about STDs or STIs, you know, and I can kind of understand why, because they're teaching you to wait until you're married for that. And they're assuming that you're going to have a partner that is also waited. Yeah. But that's not likely anymore. Let's be honest. Right. And that's dangerous. Yeah. Because some of this stuff can really, really hurt you. And some of these kids don't have any idea. Yeah. Even if they do wait, the person that they're with may not have because they don't even have the thought in their head to ask. Yeah. Because it's been drilled into them so much that they had to wait. Yeah. You know, so... And that's why you know, I feel like that toxic positive, that toxic purity culture, when I, mm-hmm. we've never said go out and have sex just willy-nilly with anybody before mm-hmm. you're married. But the the bottom line is um, that education has been so lacking that even when you get to the point where um, you are dating and you're talking about marriage, that you don't talk about um, sexual appetites and you don't talk about mm-hmm. um, those things. Not that you're going to 100% know what your sexual appetite is before you've um, moved into that phase of life, but, um, things that are in your head and then previous partners, like you're, like you said, they're just assuming that they are a virgin as well because virginity has been moved Mm -hmm. above salvation. Yeah. And it, it it really truly has. And again, this is from the perspective of a seventh and eighth grade teacher. Yeah. Right. This isn't a high school curriculum, right? This is middle school, but still, I mean, when we went through Song of Solomon 
Do you know how many questions I had, Nick? Probably a boatload. You know, that wasn't covered in the health curriculum that yes. I believe really should. Because if Abeka believes that these kids are ready to discuss Song of Solomon, these kids are then ready to discuss sex. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So my That's mom approached it is. different. <laughs> my mom approached it very progressively and probably got... You know, she took a textbook out from her her college um, education, and she said, when we started to ask questions, she didn't do it until it was age appropriate. But when we started mm-hmm. to ask those deep questions, and we were like seven, eight, nine, you know, whatever, she pulled yeah. that out, and she said, this is what this is, and this goes there. Right. Not until you're married, and you truly love that person. But right. this is what goes here, and this is what right. your body does, and this is what... You know, so by the time I had my first period and I had all of that stuff started happening, I was already aware because she had already taken the time to provide that in-depth education. But she is yeah. probably one in a million in, as far as like a yeah. CHM home. Sure. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, because it, the, what we talked about in regards to women's health um, was they do have a period once a month. Sometimes it's a little over a week. That's how babies are made. End of chapter one. Oh, my word. And that's not even how babies are made. <laughs> right. I know. That's not when babies are made either. That is not. Right. Right. But that's basically how it went. Like, there was no form of anything. <laughs> So my education in high school was through um, ACE, and there was even less than that. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, we did a lot of ACE. But my mom, yeah. I mean, my mom took care of that on the other end because she was, again, very yeah. open about um, sexual things because that is something that she didn't want to. She didn't want either me or my brother to think that it it was nothing more, nothing less than a gift from God. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I know that, you know, parents that send their kids to Christian schools, they typically have the mindset of, you don't teach that because I believe it is my responsibility as a parent to teach that. But do they? Which is, which is fair. It's true. Absolutely. But I can tell you all nine times out of 10, it doesn't happen. Yeah. It's too embarrassing for the parents. They don't want to admit what they did to get their kid there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, at that point, you, as a teacher, you do kind of have to say something. Yeah, Because these kids are going to get into high school. They're not going to know what's going on with their bodies. They're going to start Googling or thinking or asking other kids who may not be as sheltered as they are. Mm Mm-hmm. And then bing, bang, bong, you have a 17-year-old girl that's pregnant at a Christian school. Because she doesn't know when to, when she's ovulating. She doesn't know when those signs right. are. And I'm not saying that she should go out and be having sex. But I think yeah. there would be a lot less teen pregnancies if the actual mm-hmm. process inside the body was actually discussed. Yeah. And with boys. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, they boys need to know, too. Because all those boys yeah. are going to have wives when they grow up. Yeah. Yeah. It... it, it, it truly wild <laughs> sometimes the the curriculum <laughs> yeah the thing is i think that that curriculum uh, in a way because it is from a christian uh mindset it is mm-hmm. in many ways reflecting 
the background and the thinking from the mm-hmm. Christian viewpoint of things, the Christian side of things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, you know, we grow up in our homes and we're all kind of, not everyone, but for the vast majority, we're kind mm-hmm. of sheltered from a lot of the details because, you know, especially in the holiness movement, you don't even talk about the, I remember because they're going to go do it if you talk about yeah, it. Yeah. And I remember, I remember growing up, like if you heard just the word sex, that that was just as bad as the four letter word. Like you don't say that. Yeah. That's the dirty talk. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, when we did cover song of Solomon, you know, that did get brought up mm-hmm. and you even say the word and you can just feel the tension in yeah. the air <laughs> with these middle schoolers. <laughs> yeah. Have I you mean, ever researched the amount of, cut it. <laughs> have you ever researched the types of sex that were mentioned in Song of Solomon? Well, I didn't really re or I haven't really researched it, but the, the, the Bible book that we're using does kind of like an in-depth guide into all books, Genesis to Revelation. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot more out of that reading it this time than I have before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which means that that is like biblical proof that the wedding, the marriage bed, the marital bed is undefiled as long as it is right. between you and your husband. It does not matter what you do in that bed as long as it right. is between you and your yeah. husband. Yeah. And or a wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, 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 just trying to explain that to seventh and eighth graders. Probably is not a hundred percent appropriate at seventh and eighth grade, the amount of different types of sex. So I get why they're being a little Yeah. You know. right. And I I get that too. And we did kind of glance over it a little bit, you know, some some aspects of it that I thought were, you know, a little too advanced for mm-hmm. seventh and eighth graders. Yeah. But it still should be revisited. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, because if I don't do it. I mean, they're just going to move on to the ninth and then the 10th and the 11th and 12th that it doesn't get revisited in for yeah. some unknown reason. Yeah. Because according to Abeka in 12th grade, the only thing you should have to do is study the entire book of Revelation. It is an important book. I agree. But also at the same time. There's what? 65 other important ones. Right. <laughs> There's 65 <laughs> other books written. I uh, know. It's. Like I said earlier, I think it it, it, it kind of is an indicator of a lot of the thinking, um, you know, some what we all grew up with, and and probably yeah. even some of the thinking across modern, uh, you know, cr- mainline Christianity. You know, I, mm-hmm. we had talked about at one point. Me and Janelle went over the books uh, by Shellhammer and his wife, and they were talking about mm-hmm. you know sex and things like that, and uh, and the mentality was that if people started to exhibit you know symptoms of early you know, let's just say they were discovering what their body could do, that sometimes yeah. it could be lumped into mental insanity and, yeah. and people were getting thrown into the insane asylum for no good reason. Yeah. And, it, it, and so I think that those books, because those books actually, uh, some of them were published at God's Bible school. And so they very much made the rounds in the holiness circles. And that kind yeah. of thinking has lasted up for many years and it kind of set the stage for where we are now to where you got a lot of people who may not necessarily know a lot about what's going on. Um, and they're just not really, it's just, it's just something that it's, it's taboo and people don't really touch it yeah. or want to talk about it because it, it and it's, it's just wrong to even mention it. Enter Janelle yeah. Lavender who loves to talk about it because not because it's, I'm trying to be dirty or whatever, right. but it is something that is so un, under talked about and such 
it creates such a shame that I feel like it has impacted more Christian marriages right. than it ever should have. Mm-hmm. And that's like, uh, I'm, I'm huge into history. Yeah. I love, 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 love almost every type of history that you can think of. <laughs> and we were talking, uh, the, the Abeka book that I'm doing this year is basically American history. It is so biased and it paints America in the best light possible. I've which heard isn't that. always the case. Right. Right. I'm not saying this is a terrible country and we need to not be a country. Right. But when we talk about the golden age of America after World War II, it's pretty easy to be the strongest country in the world when you're almost the only country in the world left. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, there's... It's, it's nice for your economy to be so booming when 18 other countries are completely demolished. Yeah. It, I've, I've thought about <laughs> that too, because I, I know like, okay, let's put it this way. Whenever I see from my perspective, I always see um, this. People always talk about the fifties and the sixties as like uh -huh. a glory time yeah. for the America. Best time. Yes. And okay, I'll put it in the, I'm, I'm, I didn't know I'd go down this route, but from a perspective, from the perspective of a white person, it was. Yeah. From the perspective yeah. of a black person, it's a nightmare. Right. And it's because, because of everything that was happening. Is regarded as like the craziest year in American history. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's all about the 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 perspective that is used. But you're right. It a lot of those books tend to paint things in a very patriotic. Uh, uh -huh. viewpoint when sometimes, yeah, there was things that happened that were very patriotic and there were some things that happened sure. and are happening that are not patriotic at all. Right. Like it literally, it, it, when we talked about Columbus coming to the new world, it literally said one paragraph about how we befriended the Indians <laughs> and they taught us how to grow corn. Mm-hmm. And that was all that was said about our relationship with the Indians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot else that happened, too. <laughs> right. And I'm not saying that, like, we should feel bad for this and we should all, I, I don't, for lack of a better word, repent for our ancestors. But it is important to know the actual factual history of our country yeah. so that we do not repeat the history of our country. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes perfect like, sense. I mean, it's there for us to learn from. Right. Like, no one is saying, like, I, I, I don't know. It just drives me nuts because, like, we were talking about the Constitution. It was one whole chapter. Mm -hmm. Right. Was the Constitution, what it says, what it means, the X, Y, Z. And this was when um, former President Trump was being um, indicted for the election fraud stuff and like Georgia and I think New York and wherever else it was. So I had a lot of questions about how this can happen, right? Mm -hmm. I'm getting questions on how this can happen, you know, different things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I decided 
okay, we're going to take a break from this history class right now. And I typed up a letter, and it was basically like, we're going over the Constitution. Political questions are being brought up, right? Mm-hmm. Because kids are wanting to know how this process works. Right. They're wanting to know what the Electoral College is and how it works. They're wanting to know how their vote matters. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're curious about elections. <clears throat> and, I mean, I typed up a letter, and I was like... This will be brought up. You know, I am in no way trying to push a certain agenda. Right. You know, whether it's right or left or whatever, onto your child. I will be presenting facts, basically, and I'm sorry if those facts disagree with what you believe. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Like, because there are certain things that have happened that is just facts. And people believe otherwise. And if they want to, that's fine. But then I get in trouble for teaching it. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's just, it, 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 it's just so wild when it comes to politics in a classroom. Because I just get so scared that something's going to be misquoted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you become the next you know, individual who I'm ends up on a YouTube video or something. <laughs> right. right. I'm going to be on uh, Twitter or whatever as some kind of crazy teacher <laughs> or these kids are going to go home and they're going to misquote something I say and it's going to be a parent coming at me like, oh, you have an agenda to push. This is no better than public school or whatever. Yeah. Right. So that's also something that I didn't know that I would uh, have to go through. <laughs> hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting couple of chapters in American history. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, uh, there's definitely a, uh, a slant that can be, you know, they say the, the victor writes the history. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think that there's a lot of things that happen in our country that, you know, I'm, I'm proud of. There are some things that also happen mm-hmm. that I'm not so proud of. And, sure. um, you know, I was listening to something that Tucker Carlson was talking about because he's caught a lot of flack because of his interview with Vladimir Putin. Uh-huh. And uh, he was discussing, he said, um, you know, every, the, the guy who was interviewing him said, um, well, have you talked, to, did you ask Putin specifically um, w- about all the people that are being killed that he, that he supposedly has killed or had put to death or whatever? And he's like, I didn't really ask that. And he's like, because, you know, let's just be honest here. He said, all leaders of all countries have people killed. And he's uh-huh. like, even our president, he's having people put, he's having people killed, you know, whether it's through yeah. uh, strikes because they're like, yep, you're a threat, you're a threat, kill you, kill you. And it's like, that kind of put it in perspective that it's like, there's a lot of stuff that even people don't necessarily talk about our country, like we're going through and, and we're doing some stuff that we probably wouldn't necessarily agree with. Um, right. You know, and for instance, I remember what caught a lot of um, uh, attention uh, several several years ago was this one guy who was a, like a cleric. And of course, he was a radical uh, Islamist kind of guy. And he was killed mm-hmm. in some kind of an airstrike. And um, his grandpa... So what happened was his his parents um, had this guy's son live with them. The little boy lived with them because his dad was killed, obviously. The little boy, mm-hmm. the little boy is at a... Um, a diner or he's at a little restaurant with two of his friends and a drone fires a missile and blows all of them up. Mm. And they said the reason for, like they were the, the parent, the grandparents were so sad, like, look, you killed his father. 
why'd you kill him? He's 12 years old. And I would, I, I can't speak for the U.S. military. I don't know what the reason that was given, but I think it's like, well, we, my mindset would be, well, the ax doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, mm-hmm. so they're like, oh, well, you know, he's probably going to grow up, want revenge on those that killed his father. He's going to be an enemy of ours in the future, so let's get him now. You know, and there's stuff like that that happens, you know, and it's, it's just kind of like the dirty underside. You lop the head off of a, uh, off mm-hmm. of a, off of a cell or, or insurgent group, and then you find yourselves targeting next of kin because you're afraid that they are, too, going to also become that next threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's like, you know, we're kind of getting on that, but it's, it's like, a, it's just the dirty business that takes place in and in a lot of those things. And yeah. they won't necessarily be talked about, especially in a history book, you are not going to find it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that even goes around to what we've been talking about this entire podcast episode, right? Like none of this is going to be said out loud in some of these churches until right. it either disbands or a younger person gets in and says, that's not actually true. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, you know, I mean, it's, it's the same concept. <laughs> that is honestly something that we've kind of, there, there's, there's been a lot of back and forths here recently. Um, I would say for the past year or more, there's been a lot of back and forths on Facebook. And of course, you know, James Plank had come out and made some statements about, yeah. uh, you know, if you are behind a pulpit that's anything other than a CHM pulpit and you've walked away from the CHM, you're backslidden and you should be prayed for right. as a backslider. That's a very strong Powerful. statement. Yeah. And so there were people who actually resisted that and spoke out against mm-hmm. it. And that probably would not have been the situation, say, 15 years ago. Yeah. Really quick here. Do you remember, Nick? So flashback to 2015 when we were at church camp and the person who was over the youth gave us the assignment of memorizing scripture. Okay. And one of the scripture that we had to memorize was the verse, you know, lean not on thine own understanding, acknowledge him in all thy ways, and he will direct thy path. I remember that. Do you remember my quote-unquote preacher voice that I used with that verse? You know, I wanted to so bring that up, but I didn't think it would be appropriate (laughs) because I was telling my wife, I said, man, he can pull off a Pentecostal preacher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, in the video that's in question here is I'm in a pair of khaki shorts and a T-shirt. And some people from this church, before it was disbanded, reached out to me, which, first of all, I want to know how they saw it because you're not supposed to have computers and phones and Facebook and all this. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying that video because I remember seeing that that was something that just a bunch of kids did and you weren't being disrespectful. You were just using the kind of like a a Pentecostal preacher voice. You mean that got back to that church? That got back to that church and I was told that I was going to hell because I was preaching in a pair of shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right then. (laughs) Yep. Yep, I forgot all about that until I don't. I don't even know what just remem- made me remember it, but it, it. Yeah. Oh my goodness sakes! I had no yep. idea that got back to that church. Yep, and I really don't know how because at this point they still believed no phone, no internet, no computer. You know, all, all this stuff. Well, we know there how. there was obviously some backslidden member in that bunch yeah. that had a phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, do you remember a uh, couple months ago? that big alert that went over everybody's uh, cell phones. Yes. I saw a Facebook article. I I, I don't know if it was a hundred percent true. I just laughed so hard. I didn't even want to read it, 
it said that there were so many Amish people kicked out of their communities because cell phones went off in their houses that they were just <laughs> walking down the road. <laughs> that there was just hordes of expelled Amish people walking down the road in like Eastern Ohio, in like Northern Pennsylvania. <laughs> what? I promise you that's what it said. It was talking about how there were like hundreds of homeless Amish people. I'm going to have to look this up and see if that's legit. I, I'm like, what in this world? You know what, though? If that was really the case, man, you talk about your sins finding you out. My goodness, they were found out yeah. that day. I mean, doesn't the Bible always say that it'll be brought to light? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, old Ishmael was a holy man until that, that national alert went off. Yeah. Oh, oh my, my gosh, word. I saw that and it cracked me up so much. <laughs> I just pictured like just like 50 Amish people just walking down a stretch of road with just cornfields abundant by them. Yeah, it's like, thanks a bunch, National Alert. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, that was... Out of oh, them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, is there is there a church that you all like go to now, or...? We are still trying to find the right church. Yep. Isn't that the hardest? Us. Yes. <laughs> um, I... We did talk about one church that's pretty close to our house. Um, and then I looked up the, like, Facebook page of this church, you know, just Googled their name. Mm -hmm. And found out that they were an independent fundamental Baptist church. Oh, dear. Um, and we said, no, thank you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, you did the right thing. Yeah, because if that doesn't scream IBLP, I don't know what does. Exactly. <laughs> Good grief! What, so yeah, we're 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 still trying to find um, the quote unquote home church. See that that is I'm I'm glad you all are doing that, and I think that's something that there's a lot of people out there who, um, when they when they leave the holiness movement, they are in this situation where they're trying to like, what do I do now? Because mm -hmm. it's such a bubble that you live in when you mm -hmm. are in the CHM that yeah. you if you step out of it, you're alone. Yeah. And it's like, what do you do? Yeah, Who mean, do you talk I to? Have, I mean, I couldn't have fully gotten out of that if it wasn't for really you, Nick, and Elizabeth, you know, having that, that support to be able to get out. It's tough. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you that there are still days to where you, you'll find that your thinking um, is, mm -hmm. it tries sometimes to go back into those old grooves and you have to correct yep. yourself. I find myself being so unfairly judgmental towards people. Yes. And that, that, that is exactly what it is, is judgmental. You know, it's not me trying, because before, basically it was, you can be judgmental as long as it's correct and you can help them correct that behavior or whatever. Right. You know, but I still find myself, you know, very incorrectly judging people, which number one, isn't fair to that person. Right. But it's also not fair to me because that stunts me spiritually. Exactly. Right. That doesn't get me that nowhere. And that doesn't get Jim nowhere. Right. You know, whoever. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's, that for some reason has been an Achilles heel mm -hmm. 
of a lot of the churches yeah. that I remember in the holiness movement growing up in is there was an awful lot of that. They just felt like they had to be the judge right then and there. Yeah. And you had to abide by their own yep. version of Christianity. Yep. Yep. Which is funny to me because it's all these same people. And you know all they do, Nick, is gossip. That is all they do. You know, and it's like, take care of your own sins yep. before you call out, you know, Carl. Yep. There was a, <laughs> there was a situation at um, a church. It was someone I knew who um, they were going to a church. And they were having some marital issues, and they told uh, the people, one of the people, the members there privately, you know, pray for us, we're having some issues. Mm-hmm. And that person, of course, had a bit of a wagging tongue, and the next thing you know, the entire church knew about it, and that was the straw that broke no. the camel's back for them. And, and, and it kind of should have been. I yeah. mean, that is completely unacceptable behavior from an adult. Yeah. If you were four, okay. You know what I mean? No one's going like, to tell, take you seriously if you're four anyway. Yeah, yeah. like, if, it, yeah, it's just so dumb because, I mean, even now within social groups that I'm in, it's just so rampant. And I'm not saying that these people are going to hell because they gossip about whomever, right? But what I am saying is that we need to buckle down and we do need to be woke, right? <laughs> you know, and discern the Holy Spirit with our own things that we are exposed to. You know, that in a way, how you put that, you know, being woke, I think some people would automatically have a knee jerk reaction and go and, and say, yeah. well, what are you saying? But what we're, I think, mm-hmm. you know, what we're saying is it's, it's, there's been such a, um, no one has said anything. People have just kind of gone along with the flow. And then there are some people who do start to wake up and they do start to say, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, why are we doing this? Is this really in the Bible or is this, you know, should you be treating people this way? And that can really stir some folks up. Yeah. I've never been more woke than once I left this year. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that closing sentence of my argument, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, and it's true. Like, I've never been closer with God. I've never been on this type of a walk, you know, anything like that until I left that environment. Yeah, I told my wife, I said, um, probably a little over three years ago is when I really started to dig into a lot of this. And, um, Mm -hmm. I remember I came home from work and I got out of the truck and I walked in and I looked at her and the first thing out of my mouth, I think I said something like, um, I said, you know what? I don't know Jesus for who he truly is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was a just, I don't know. It was overwhelming. And at that moment, I started to examine everything and going, okay, uh-huh. I'm not slipping down a slippery slope of moral decay. I'm not giving up my biblical doctrine that's in the scripture, but I want to go through and change my behavior towards that people, my attitude. I want to uh, get rid of that judgmental behavior. I want to make sure that what I believe in and what I preach and teach is in scripture and isn't mm-hmm. something that's a, a version of righteousness from old brother so-and-so down the road. Right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, uh, 
you go on that side of it, you know, you'll find yourself kind of, uh, and, and I told Janelle, it's, it's, you've been so used to being in those circles growing up that when you're yeah. outside of it, it can feel alone. You can feel yeah. lonely. And even when you realize that it's not right, it is still painful to leave. It is. Right. Because yes. it's all you've ever known. Right. You yeah. know, I mean, that's like when I first got a cell phone, I cried for days because I thought that I was going to hell for having a piece of technology. Wow. And it wasn't even anything that somebody said to me or any, it, it, it was just, it was so drilled in that when my parents handed it to me, it was a death sentence. Yeah. Even though we had already been away from that environment for years at that point. Yeah. It's almost like they're, I, it's hard to put it into words like that. And it's really hard yep. to even explain to people who have not been in it. Mm-hmm. The, really, I think some of the best way to say it is true religious trauma. Yeah. Not just, oh, I've got religious trauma because I couldn't cut my hair. It's like, no, I've got religious trauma as in... I was told I, if I cut my hair, I'd go to hell. <laughs> right, or I'm wearing a pair of shorts and I get scared because I don't have the fear of God in me anymore. Yeah. Or I don't think that I'm actually still saved. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest struggles is knowing when you turn away from that, you have to constantly remind yourself, yes, you are still saved. Yes, God still loves me, even though I'm wearing a pair of basketball shorts. Right. And it sounds so ridiculous <laughs> yep. to say it out loud, but that really is the truth of it. <laughs> it is. Uh, my... Janelle said her brother approached her mom one day and he said, why is it that you are allowed to wear a uh, dress that goes just below your knees? He said, but I can't wear a pair of shorts that goes below the knees. You know, you're both showing the same amount of leg. He said, what's the difference? And she said, I didn't have an answer for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's one of those things that, you know, you, you've been there, done that. And it, it, it there is trauma involved. And, and I know that we've had, We've discussed some pastors or ministers within the CHM who have kind of scoffed at the idea of there being trauma and they just feel that people are trying to stir up trouble and stuff like that. And it's like, no, you, yeah. you have to realize that this has caused problems. And um, mm -hmm. this, some of this stuff is still being taught today. And um, and I know this for a fact because we hear about it. And the, the, the some of the kids and the people who hear this stuff may not have folks that are willing to help them discern that and, mm -hmm. and the cycle just continues. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I told Janelle, I said, our, our, our goal was to always to be there to kind of help people in that transition away from that. People that have been mm -hmm. hurt and not, not you know, because the, the instinct, the, your instinct is to run away from something that hurts you because you don't want to mm -hmm. have anything to do with it. And the last thing I want is for God to be that object that they feel hurt them. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, God is where we can find that peace and where we can find that healing. And, you know, that's been our whole goal in trying to, to direct people towards. Yeah. And, you know, uh, me and Elizabeth were talking about this <clears throat> the other day um, about the whole CHM, our feelings on it, and, you know, all this. And I was thinking of Paul and his letters to the churches. And I guarantee you that if Paul were around today, the churches that he would send his letters to would be the CHM churches. Yeah, he would. It really, really would. Now, 
I'm not saying that every person in CHM is an awful human being or is going to hell. I believe that most of them are doing the best that they can, and they're just in a cycle that they cannot break free from. Yep. But some of them, some of these preachers I've met, Nick, uh, it, they are the preachers that are talked about in Revelation with false prophets. Yep. Like, it is insanity what some of these people spew. I would be terrified. Yeah. To say some of this stuff and actually mean it to a group of people. <laughs> yeah. it's an, You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it, it's an absolute abuse of the privilege yeah. of being able to stand there and give God's word on the, you know, behind the pulpit and, and, mm-hmm. in that position that you, God has called you to be a preacher and you get up there and you absolutely abuse that position and you use it just to maim and maul yep. people. Yep. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, with me doing a, a Bible class this year, I was terrified over the summer to do a Bible class because, you know, I was like, I'm not called to be a preacher. You know, I'm afraid I'm going to missay something or misquote something or, you know, get on some rant, which I am prone to do, <laughs> you know. And, two hour long. Yeah, <laughs> judging by this two hour long podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going um, to. I think we'll break this into a two-parter. Is what we'll do, and that'll make it safe okay, for everybody. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was so afraid that I was going to say something wrong, and then teach somebody incorrectly, and then I'm going to have to answer for that. Yep. You know, there is no God calls people to do whatever they're good at for themselves, right? Right. And God called me to teach, so I had to come to the realization that if I misquote to catch it and correct it, let the kids know that it is acceptable behavior to tell me if they think I am incorrect, and then we can find it out together. Yep. Right? Like, I tell them every Bible class, if you were told something else growing up than what I'm about to tell you, let me know what it is, and we'll figure it out together. Exactly. Right, we'll see where it's at in the Bible. And if it's not, cool, we learn something new. If it is, cool, I won't misspeak. See, that what you're describing there is the mark of someone who definitely is called of the Lord to do that because you have that fear of making sure that what you say and do is true and you hold yourself to that high standard. Whereas mm-hmm. there's people out there who feel that they can go in and abuse that call and say whatever they want, and they don't worry about whether it's true or not. Just if they, mm-hmm. maybe if maybe they'll say the magic words to get people to shout or do whatever, you right. know. And I'm not all. I'm not my my you know, my goal, and I know your goal was not to go out there and just to continue to say or do something to get a reaction, just because it's the mm-hmm. the right thing to say. But it's all about truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because yeah, I mean and. Even I noticed towards the end of summer, I mean, I was getting sick thinking about it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that I was going to do something wrong within this position. Now, history, fine with. Science, fine. You know, all that I'm fine with. Even the math. You know, I was like, you know, I can figure it out if I don't know how to do something. I've got a book, you know, all this. But Satan really fed into that fear a lot. Of 
me being so afraid to the point to where I was like three days before school started and had just opened the Bible curriculum book. Yeah. Right. Which isn't great. (laughs) You know, you need to prepare a little bit more than three days, but you know, it's been fine so far. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed this. It's, it's been really good to get your take um, on that side of, I guess I could call the, the holiness movement for coming from a church that was in the kind of the Pentecostal way of doing things. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, just some of the things that you saw and heard, you know, even some things that I never even heard preached on, it just kind of shocks me. Now I've got, I've got some friends. I know one guy who is from, from the West Virginia area and he probably, has heard some of those things as well, and I might, mm-hmm. I might, I might poke his brain and, and see what he has to say. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I'm thankful every day that I'm not dealing with that anymore. And mm-hmm. I told Janelle, I said, my, you know, one of my goals is that I don't want my kids to go through. It. I want my kids to know who Jesus yep. is. I want them to serve Him, to love Him, and to express the love of Christ elsewhere while still wielding the sword of the Spirit and of truth, mm-hmm. preaching the truth, but yet biblical truth and, right, and because not... you will be questioned oh exactly about why like and if you you can't in the real world you can't say because mommy and daddy said so that yep. that doesn't hold up against squat i had that answer given to me one time <laughs> i legit did i had the answer because they asked yeah. her, they asked her parent well we just do it because that's the way we've always done it and it's like that doesn't work that that's not a good foundation right. yeah that's a foundation on sand. Exactly. And we know what happens with that. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's how it goes. Well, I have definitely enjoyed this. And uh, I I mean, I have good grief. You've you've definitely opened my brain up to a lot of stuff. And definitely, <laughs> I like your perspective uh, coming at it as a, as a teacher as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's yeah, what we'll... Yeah, I don't we'll... know how we switched to that midway. Well, it, it kind of worked out good because I think what we'll do is we'll split this up. And we're going to have the one half of this dealing with uh, a lot of your background in the church and whatnot. And then the other part, as people are listening to this, it's going to be dealing with... Uh, you know, the, the Bill Gothard and, and the, the Christian education curriculum and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably what we'll do. And I think people are definitely going to find that interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I really, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I really appreciate you both coming on. And um, um, I guess we'll bring it to an end here. And Janelle, is there anything you, uh, you want to add? Or are we good? I think I'm good. All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Beyond the Bow. And we'll chat with you later. Bye.